Welcome to your post-Super Bowl edition of the All 32 podcast. So, after 17 weeks of regular season action, a grueling month in the playoffs, sprinkled with a little bit of controversy, we end up with probably the likeliest outcome of the season, the New England Patriots, dynasty continues, a sixth ring for Tom Brady. I'm joined this week by Lee, as Chris is off enjoying himself. Lee, I'm afraid to bring you in this week. On this note, mate, but I'm afraid to tell you that those Patriots are still here. As Bill Belichick would say, I'm moving on to 2019. Indeed, mate, I don't blame (laughs) you. The unfortunate thing is they may well be here again in 2019. (laughs) I believe they will. Um, So in terms of this week, we're obviously going to break down the big game. Um, We're going to touch a little bit on the NFL honours that happened on Saturday night preceding the Super Bowl where the yearly awards went out and then as Lee's just likely nicely said there we'll start looking at 2019 because the NFL there is never an off season um, and already um, we're all back at zero zero we're all in with a chance of next year's Super Bowl um, so let's bring it on so in terms of the big game I suppose you know let's address the elephant in the room straight away Lee wasn't the greatest game um, in terms of Certainly scoring, um, lowest scoring Super Bowl um, that there has been. Um, just quick, very quickly, sort of overall thoughts of the game, then we'll break it down in a bit more detail. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. As I say, it's easy, I think it's easy for us to say um, that we think it's a, a kind of bad Super Bowl. I mean, if, if it was my Dolphins or your Rams winning, uh, sorry, your Browns winning 13-3, be over the moon and say it's the best game we've seen. So it's, uh, But yeah, I mean, it wasn't the, the game that we all hoped for. But um, yeah, sort of defensive, a defensive uh, showing by both teams. No, absolutely, and I think you know the interesting thing for me was that the game remained tight throughout. So there was always that level of intrigue, um, you know, better than it being a blowout in one direction or the other, which could have quite easily have happened yesterday. Um, like you said, I think you know both defenses played tremendous games. Patriots probably, obviously, a slight tick above the Rams in that regard. Um, but an intriguing game, nonetheless, um, if not necessarily a high-scoring thriller, as we had 12 months previously. Um, so let's break it down a little bit then. So first quarter, um, right at the outset, you know, interesting decision from the coin toss. The Rams win it. They've just watched Tom Brady in the last couple of weeks march down the field for long opening touchdown drives. Were you a little bit surprised that the Rams actually put the ball straight into Brady's hands? Um, or did you think that was always going to be the plan all along? Um, I don't know if they were trying to perhaps steal a little bit of um, a Bill Belichick move there by saying, right, we know where your strength is uh, and we're prepared to stop you. Um the Patriots have done that numerous times in the past. You know, they, they'll do, you know, what you're best at and just prove, put it in your mind early on. You know, we've got your number. I think the Rams tried to do the same thing. They did it with, you know, with a degree of success. They, they stopped them, you know, sort of a bit bend but don't break. But as first drives in the Super Bowl go, I think they, they would have come off the field pretty happy. Yeah, you can't disagree with the the outcome in the end. Like you say, obviously Brady got picked on his first 
possession uh, on his first throw. Sorry, um, obviously they were running the ball with a decent level of efficiency to get them down um, as far as they did on that opening drive. But you know, great scheming from Wade Phillips. Not not going to be often that you confuse Tom Brady after all his years in the league. But Phillips certainly did with that coverage. You know, it looked like man, and then all of a sudden it was zone. Um, and Brady essentially threw, you know, a terrible ball, um, which, you know, the Rams ultimately took away. Um, the reason I would have probably took the opening kickoff and actually got the offense on the field was I think the Rams' defense were always going to show up in this game. I think it was always going to be a case of how far the offense could take them. Um, and the chance to get the ball first, set your stall out, get some points on the board, um, and try and play with a lead. Um, for me, would have been the better option. I mean, like you say, ultimately they didn't concede points. Um, however, um, you know, it, it certainly could have gone a different way. Um, so later on in the quarter, um, we'll touch on the amount of punts that the Rams had shortly because it was phenomenal. Um, but later on in the quarter, Patriots driving again. Guskowski misses a field goal. Um, He's had some issues in recent Super Bowls. Any anything that the Patriots think you think need to potentially look at there? He's been the kicker seems forever in a day, but he does seem to have an issue in this big game. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. He actually missed a couple of kicks in the, during the season as well, didn't he? One, I think, in, one in particular, which cost them a game, um, put them in a in a bit of a hole. Um, it's something they're going to address because I don't think there's much sentiment. Um, in that front office, if they feel that they can, they can upgrade at the position, they will. And if not, I think they'll go with him. You know, they're not going to be desperate for a kicker. They're not. They're not going to pull a, a Buccaneers and draft one in the second round. Do you know what I mean? But they will. Um, I think explore every angle. So I don't think there's any sentiment there. They, they, you know, they, they will do what is in the best, the best interest of the the New England Patriots. Yep. No, I can't agree more with that, mate. Um, so, Guskowski eventually does get a field goal on the board. So, we're, we're three, 3 nothing. Patriots then, again, seem to be dominating this game. And I'm sitting there a minute or two from halftime thinking the Rams are fortunate to still be in this one. They've got nothing going on offense. Um, and the Patriots have marched it down to the 32-yard line. Fourth and one. Now, we've just said how effectively they'd run the ball. I thought James Devlin again yesterday, a bit of an unsung hero for the Patriots as a lead blocker from the fullback position. Fourth and one, the play that's drawn up sets an empty backfield, which for me was a, a bizarre decision to start with. And then Brady tries to force a ball into Gronk, um, which never really was there, if we're honest. Um, I think it got tipped on its way through, and, and there was good coverage on Gronk as well. Um, very unpatriots-like performance in as much as just failing to execute and, fight and failing to finish off drives. As we got towards halftime, what was your sort of thoughts in terms of the way that they managed that final drive? Um, and obviously, you know, heading into halftime, only being three ahead, you know, what, what kind of reaction do you think that the, the Patriots got in the dressing room? I'll be honest, when the, when the Patriots went on that drive, I thought this is a, this is a typical New England sort of um, swing where they just score on you before half time and, and, and sort of really just apply that little extra pressure when, when you didn't think you, you know, they were going to get any more points. Um, I, I agree with you completely. When, when I saw an empty backfield, I thought this is a, this is a super bizarre call. I actually was sitting with a couple of friends and um, we said, this is prime 
quarterback sneak territory. I know they're going against Donald and Sue, but the Patriots have done it for years. And Tom Brady always picks up a yard. You know, he always gets that one yard needed. Now, I thought it was a... I actually thought the, the spot was an interesting one because I thought it was two yards short. Um, and they, they spotted it at a yard. And I thought that would make the difference where, again, maybe even hand it off to Devlin, you know, because Devlin doesn't get stopped. Not, not that often. But, yeah, in, interesting play call. Um, after that, you've got to think the Rams have got a chance. You go into the, to the locker room, you think we've probably played our most average half of football that we've played all year and we're down 3 nothing in the Super Bowl to the Patriots with the, and, and we're going to get the ball to start the second half. I mean, it, I think they would have been pretty happy with the outcome. You know, it's kind of taken into account everything that had gone on up to that point. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Because if I'd been a fan of the Rams, I think I would have been pretty excited going into halftime, thinking we're not, we can't play this bad to start the second half. We get one drive together and we're all of a sudden we're up. And now, now we're, like you said, we get to play from in front a little bit. No, absolutely, man. I think, you know, the from a neutral's perspective, like you said, the fact that they received that second half kick, the fact that the Patriots ultimately didn't convert that fourth down, which kept further points off the board going into halftime. You know, you're sort of sitting there as a neutral, sort of hoping to yourself, right, come on, let's get this ball to start the second half. Let's get a drive going. And the first couple of plays, you know, I think, you know, they got Gurley involved in the second half, you know, on the literally the first couple of plays. And then yet again, it stalled. Um, we had a similar pattern. Then really, if we're honest, for the next five or six minutes until the Rams eventually did actually wake up a little bit um, and put a decent drive together. Goff probably made his best throw of the night over the middle to Robert Woods um, on a key third down um, where he hung in there. He took a hit um, and it was a good catch by Woods in traffic, which he's done all year, to be fair to him. Um, and ultimately, um, it got the Rams into a position where points were on offer. Now, probably the key play of the game was Brandon Cooks standing on his own in the back of the end zone. Jared Goff taking far too long, which has been the knock on him all season, it's got to be said, but certainly last night he seemed to hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball. Um, and when he even did spot Brandon Cooks, it was a bit of a wobbler, if we're, if we're honest. It certainly didn't go in with an awful lot of zip. Gave McCourty an opportunity to get across and make the play, which, to be fair to him, he did. Um, but at that moment, was was that uh, you know the clearest sign, if you like, that he just wasn't going to be the Rams' night to leave a wide open six points off the board? Yeah, I think we actually mentioned it in our in our WhatsApp group that at this point you feel the the game can only go the Patriots' way. I mean, Brandon Cooks is probably on his own from about the five yard line and runs all the way to the back of the end zone completely on his own. Someone on the Patriots' sideline must have been absolutely screaming their head off when they saw that. I mean, because that's just a complete breakdown in coverage. But like you say, Goff comes up with, with like you say, what, what was the biggest knock on him all season is slow to diagnose what is going on on defense, slow to recognize that Cooks had come open and any half-decent throw and you're looking at being up by four. Instead, you know, it, it, like you say, it was a duck. It comes off the hands of... of um, Cooks and he gave McCourty a chance to get back into the play. 
No, absolutely. And then, you know, Goff then probably compounds that further by the, you know, the, the ensuing play. He, he took a horrible sack, um, gave up eight or nine yards. Um, again, he did have, I think it was Anderson that was in at running back on that particular play. Anderson had snuck out into the flat and had probably got 10 or 15 yards of open field in front of him, had the ball got there. Um, as it was, you know, Goff took the sack. Bailed out by Greg the Leg, who yet again came up clutch with a huge 53-yarder. Um, and fair play to that guy playing. I think they, they called it on commentary. I think he was a lot more injured than he probably let on. Um, you know, But he, he kicked the 53-yarder, so you get a tie game. Um, this is when, for me, the inevitability of it all started to come home. Then you get into the fourth quarter... And the Patriots have been dominant all game, if we're, if we're being honest. Although the scoreboard says three apiece, the Patriots really seem to have dominated the game. Um, and all that pressure that had been on the Rams' defence, that had been on the field for far too long, for too many plays. I think at one point, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong on this moment, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I think their longest drive in the first half was five plays in duration. Yep, it was. All right, so, you know, the, the, this defence isn't getting any breathers whatsoever. And in the fourth quarter, that's when that shows up. So, the Patriots, and to be fair, Tom Brady didn't have anywhere near his best game last night. I think, is it fair to say he had a poor game, would you say, Lou? I've got to be honest, I thought the quarterback play in general was was of, of a, a far lower standard than we've become accustomed to in certainly the last few weeks. Um like you say, Wade Phillips confused Brady on his first on on the interception, but it also wasn't a well thrown ball, and he missed a few throws during during the night. And Jared Goff took some terrible sacks. There was one where he ended up going to his knees, and I can't remember exactly when it was in the game, but he had an age to get rid of the ball, just throw it away. Like I, I know it's, the temptation must be in the Super Bowl. Double check everything. I want to make sure it's perfect. I want to get it right. But sometimes you just got to let it rip. Just throw the ball. And yeah. you know, in the in the face of of a Patriots pass rush, just get rid of the ball. Move on to the next play. Don't take some silly sacks. And it's cost them points in the, in a couple of occasions where it's got them out of Zerline's field goal range, which is a massive range as well. So you know, I think that does come back to haunt them. But yeah, I would agree that the, the the quarterback play in general was below standard. No, I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, barring this one drive, which we're now going to discuss, it, it was substandard. But when it mattered, he did deliver. Um, you know, so they start the, the drive off, um, a beautiful little fade route to Gronk um, down the right-hand side, um, picks up sort of 15 to 20 yards in that one play. There's another key throw in there to Julian Edelman, who we'll touch on probably at the end in terms of our overall wrap-up. But that, that guy last night was, was phenomenal. Um, at times, it looked like he was the only player on the field. He was that wide open. Um, and then I suppose the throw that everyone will remember from the game and the play that I actually heard described on ESPN Radio on a drive um, this afternoon while I was out and about... Um, someone on ESPN described it as the play that saved the Super Bowl and it actually gave them a play to remember the Super Bowl by, which was the diving catch by Gronk down to the two-yard line. Might be the last ball that Gronk ever catches from Brady. We won't know. Um, but it was a superb play. So when it mattered, and he's always done this, when it mattered, he did deliver. So 
What was your thoughts on that drive in particular, considering the slugfest that we'd had for the first 52 minutes of the game? Um, what, what was your thoughts seeing that drive unfold? Um, there, there was a kind of inevitability about the whole thing where the Rams put points on the board and you just know the Patriots are going to respond with something. Even if they only match the three, they're just going to keep you that at that distance. You know, It's almost like a bit of a stiff arm where you're reaching out, you're trying to tackle, but you're just being kept that far away. And the Patriots are... I mean, they're the masters of it. They're masters of most things. But it's, um, the, the, the play, like you say, the play to save the Super Bowl, that's got to be an apt way to put it. I mean, that, the, the, the catch by Gronk was superb. The throw was great. Like you say, Brady did enough when it mattered to get the job done. It wasn't his best performance, um, but it didn't have to be. He did enough to win the game. Like you say, when it mattered, he put together a, a drive and it only took one drive to win the game. So, yeah, I mean, it's... It's prob- I think it probably is the last catch of Gronkowski's career. Um, and it's a hell of a catch to go out on. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's certainly an argument that, you know, without that catch, you know, I mean, who knows what happens. I mean, we jokingly said before we started recording tonight, the Rams could still be playing now and still only have three points on the board. So <laughs> maybe the catch wasn't as important as, as maybe it felt last night. But uh, that left seven minutes left in the game. I'm not going to talk too much about the final seven minutes because, if I'm honest, it was pretty much a similar pattern to the first 53 for the Rams. They moved the ball a little bit and then, you know, more poor decisions, a, a, an awful, awful interception. I know you're getting towards desperation stage, but just heaved up and, and Gilmore, I mean, again, there was, there was no Patriots receiver within three or four yards of Gilmore. He had all day to, to bring the interception down. Um and ultimately, the Patriots' run game was far, far good enough to run out the clock at the back end. Um, and I always think it's a shame when the Super Bowl finishes with one team kneeling on the ball. It's nice that the last play means something, whether it's the you know the offense trying to do something or or the defense holding on for grim life or whatever it may be. It's always a little bit of an anticlimax watching somebody kneel down on the ball. Um, but I think, like you said, that the right team probably did win the game overall, wouldn't you say? I completely agree. They're, they're definitely the, the right team on the night won it. Um, the the interception was an interesting one. Why people continue to go after Gilmore? The Patri- I mean, even just from a really basic point of view, in the Patriots don't like to pay free agents, and they went and gave a boatload of money to get Stephon Gilmore. Tells you how much they like him. If there's a if there's a number one receiver on the opposition, Gilmore is the one covering him. Stop going after Stephon Gilmore. The guy is incredible. Um, and and they they actually ran the same route with Cooks twice in a row. And the, the first one, I believe, he missed it. It wasn't a great throw, and it it was broken up. And then he went straight back to it, threw up a duck. And like you say, there was no one near Gilmore. It's an easy interception, probably one of the easiest that he's going to make. No, absolutely. And and just to point out, when we did our Pro Bowl draft, I got a bit of stick for taking Gilmore with the third pick. I think I got vindicated <laughs> last night. <laughs> you definitely did. I must say as well, I was hoping... You know, like you say, when it comes to the end of the game, it's not necessarily great to see the see a team kneeling on the ball unless it's your your team. Um, yeah. I, I was hoping that, that Greg the Leg makes the field goal and we get a Miami Miracle style finish in the Super Bowl. Wasn't to be, but but I could hope. No, absolutely, mate. It would have been interesting. I think um, you know, obviously, you know, what you're referring to there for those that, that haven't watched it yet or or. or I'm going to get to watch it was the Rams did move the ball to within field goal range within garbage time and Greg the leg with about 
eight, nine seconds left, something like that, did have a chance to cut the lead back to seven, but ultimately pulled the ball to the left. And, and that was the game. Um, I've asked for a couple of um, sort of thoughts, questions from our followers on social media platforms. First and foremost, I think, you know, just called out um, a couple of things in terms of the support last night. Incredibly one-sided crowd. Um, not sure on the official attendance, but it must have been three quarters Patriots, would you have said, mate, watching the game? Yeah, I mean, you could hear the Brady chants throughout the game at different stages. Um, it definitely seemed a lopsided crowd, which I, I was a little bit surprised at. Um, I thought the Rams would have travelled well, you know, having not been in the Super Bowl for a while. I imagine there would have been a lot of a lot of people trying to get tickets for that. But may, maybe this is a little bit of the um, having moved to Los Angeles from St. Louis and there's still kind of a bit of animosity there between. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think one fan base that we can absolutely categorically say was quite happy with the result was the Saints fans after obviously the controversy at the end of the NFC game and the shout out to the guys at the Saints UK hub. Um, it just wanted us to point out the irony of the fact that the 13-3 final scoreline was also the Saints winning record in terms of their regular season performance. So guys... Obviously, it's not going to take away the pain of you not being in the big game. Um, but hopefully, to use your words, you've had a little bit of karma um, dished up there. Um, so glad you guys enjoyed it. Um, one question that we've had put forward from Matt on Twitter, um, and we've probably covered it a little bit, but probably just to answer it directly, the question that, that's been posed was, what on earth happened with the Rams' offence last night? You know, they've put up, League-leading points per game throughout the regular season. Was it a case of the Patriots just were superb and a brilliant defensive display? Or did the Rams bottle it when it came to the big game, mate? I think it could be. you could kind of sum it up a little easily than say they just got better checked. It's, it's happened to so many teams in you know over the course of Bill Belichick's career, taking on young head coaches, rookie quarterbacks. I know Jared Goff's not a rookie quarterback, but, you know, that sort of young tandem, the old head came out on top again. It's uh, it's, it's difficult to say because the, the Patriots' defense was superb, but I think it was a, a combination of the Rams not being able to get anything going. And also, a little bit of... It might have been a little bit of a humbling experience as well because... We all like to talk about what a special mind Sean McVeigh is, and he is he is a special mind. But they were they never seemed to change tact at any point during the game. They, you know they switched between Gurley and Anderson, but other than that, they went out and they ran the same the same plan that hadn't worked for them in the first three quarters. But they were still running that in the in the fourth quarter, and the outcome was the same. So I think the ability to adapt um, is something that they need to, you know, is, is something they'll take away from from this game. No, absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, Matt, Matt posed this question a few hours ago, so I've been sort of thinking it through in my own mind before we, we recorded this tonight. I think, I think you almost look back to the Monday night football game with the Chiefs, which finished 54-51. And that was almost the, the point in the entire NFL season that all of a sudden the defences started coming out on top. And I don't think the Rams ever looked quite the same team after that Monday night game. If you were to look at the last few weeks of the regular season, Jared Goff hardly threw any touchdown passes. 
I think there's a lot more going on with the Todd Gurley situation, and I'm interested to see holds in the media over the course of the coming days. But I, I refuse to believe that having one of, if not the best running back in the league, a MVP candidate in his own right, um, I, I refuse to believe that you wouldn't have him in there for near enough every play. Um, you know, CJ Anderson for a, you know, to give Gurley a blow for ten maybe 15% of the snaps, but Gurley should have been in there on near enough every play. I think you're right to call out that, you know, they were in essentially 11 personnel the whole game, you know, so three wide receivers, one running back, one tight end. Um, that didn't work. Um, and, and I think ultimately, I think, you know, fair play to Sean McVeigh. He's come out pretty much straight after the event and said he did get completely outcoached in this one. Um, and as you said, he won't be the first, he won't be the last. It'll be interesting to see how many more years that Belichick keeps going. I know we've talked on this this pod around, would number six be the end of the dynasty? It certainly doesn't look from anything that they're saying that they're going away anytime soon. Um, however, with that being said, and taking nothing away at all from Brady's success, even if you're Tom Brady's biggest fan, I think you have to admit that he hasn't had his greatest season, certainly in terms of the Super Bowls. This is probably the one that he has had more help from his defence than any of the others. Although, again, we have pointed out when it mattered most, he did deliver. So, you know, it's not a knock on him. It's not to say he's a terrible player because he's obviously the, the you know the greatest to ever lace him up. Um, but... So something to, to keep our eye on as we head towards the 2019 season. I think there's a lot for Rams fans to be positive about, but there are some questions that need to be answered. And I think, you know, Cooper Cup going down the, and, and the Gurley situation have really sort of derailed them at the wrong time of the season. I think Sean McVeigh's made a... Has, has done a great coaching job in, in coming out in the media and saying, I got out coached. Because if, if he doesn't come out and say it, no one thinks anything of the fact that he hasn't said it. But those defensive players that would be looking at him next season saying, well, we did our part. Because, you know, Wade Phillips and the defense kept that, like you say, kept the game closed throughout. You know, he needed to come out. I think he needed to come out and say something to just make sure everyone's on the same page. You know, take a little bit of the, it was on me um, and we can all move forward together because otherwise I think it does create a little bit of animosity when, the, you know, one half of the, of the team do their job to a higher standard than the other, don't really keep up their end of the, end of the bargain. No, it's a fair shout, mate. And I think, you know, everyone shared score predictions. We had the guys on from UK Patriots and, and the LA Rams UK accounts last week. We were talking around you know, scores in the high 20s and 30s and all the predictions I saw this weekend were of a similar nature, 28, 24, 31, 27 and all these kind of things. If you'd have offered any LA Rams fan the fact that the Patriots would only score 13 points, every single one would have snapped your hand off. You know, that's a phenomenal display from that defence. Um, so like you say, certainly, you know, if there is a finger of blame, it is on that offensive side of the ball. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they respond. You know, Goff took a lot of heat. And, and, you know, I'm not saying again that he's blameless. He's a young quarterback um, and, and certainly someone that you'd like to see, um, you know, get the opportunity to right that wrong. Um, but, you know, in today's game, you know, patience isn't a virtue. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they start next season. Um, you know, but... 
another year is in the books, unfortunately. Super Bowl Sunday, as good as it is, does signal the end of the 2018 season, near enough. One thing, just in terms of a bit of business for us to talk about, I won't spend too long on it because we de- debated it a few weeks back, but we had confirmation of all the award winners for the 2018 season, so I'm just going to whiz through these, just get some snap reactions. Um, so we'll start with the rookies, so offensive rookie of the year. I'll hand this one to you, Lee, because I otherwise will obviously be very biased on my Baker Mayfield train. Saquon Barkley, fair enough in the end? Um, no, from a neutral perspective, no argument. He, he was he was great all season. Had it gone the other way and Baker Mayfield had won it, you'd also have no complaints from me. I think it's a, that is one of the tougher categories to call. I think we were all in unanimous agreement with this one was Darius Leonard from the the Colts, I think me, you and, and Chris are all big fans of what he's done this year, mate. So no complaints from us there. Um, defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald, third year in a row. Biggest surprise for me was actually the winning margin here. He got 45 of the 50 votes with Khalil Mack only getting five. Um, I'm a big Donald fan, as you know, so that would have been my pick. Who would you have gone for out the two, Lee? And do, are you a little surprised by how wide that margin was? I am very surprised at how wide the margin was. Um, I'm not. I'm not disappointed that he won it. Um, I think it's definitely a fair shout, but I thought it would be a lot closer than that. Yeah, offensive player of the year. I'm just going to very quickly gloss on this one. It was Pat Mahomes. I don't think anyone will disagree that he was a great offensive player. The reason I'm going to gloss over is I'm going to go straight to the MVP award, which was also Pat Mahomes. They usually don't give this one out. Um, to the same person, if you like. So, um, if Mahomes had won the MVP, you would have expected Breeze to probably get the Offensive Player of the Year. That's usually the way they do it, but Mahomes ends up winning both. And again, for me, in terms of the surprise, was more to do with the margin in terms of how this one was voted on. So, Drew Breeze, who, you know, I think when we put polls out on Twitter and certainly speaking to people, was probably more favoured. Um, slightly, you know, it was a tight race, don't get me wrong, but I think there was probably a little bit more support for, for Breeze overall. But when it came to the actual votes, 41 for Mahomes and only nine for Breeze. What's your thoughts on that, mate? The same as with the um, defensive player of the year. I'm, I'm surprised at the gap. Um, like you say, I, I thought they would have gone, gone uh, with one award for each of them. They both had stellar seasons. Both got knocked out the same stage of the playoffs. So there's not a lot to go between them. I know Pat Mahomes set some records as well this year. So I'm not surprised that he won uh, MVP. But that would have led me to believe that Drew Brees gets Offensive Player of the Year. So, uh, um, yeah, definitely the, the margin is the most interesting part of that. Again, no no argument with the, the winner. But, yeah, the, the margins are, are surprising for a lot of those awards. No, absolutely. And just the final one, not the player, but the coach of the year. I know Chris will be happy with this selection, was Matt Nagy from the Bears. Um, I think that's a fair shout in terms of what he's done there in, in terms of a you know an instant turnaround from the Bears' fortunes. Um, obviously, you know they'd like the time again in the playoffs for sure, um, but certainly a, a stellar regular season, so probably a worthy winner of that one there, I would have said. Yeah, definitely agree with that. All right, so with that said, that pretty much is the 2018 NFL season in the books. Although, officially, the new year in the league doesn't actually start until March the 13th. So we do have now this bizarre six weeks where we're still in last season, even though there's no more games to play. 
Um, obviously, March the 13th is significant. Do you just want to break down for our newer listeners and goes new into the game, Lee, why March the 13th is an important date for the diary? Yeah, so March the 13th is actually is one of my favourite nights of the off-season, personally. Um, all the 2018 contracts expire on the 13th. So those players become free agents. And almost, um, if you're a football fan here, it's kind of the opposite of transfer deadline day where it's when the transfer window opens and we get all the big players tend to sign in the first few hours. So there's a mad period to open the evening. Um, I'm not actually sure what time it kicks off this year, but it's a, a super time. If your team has cap space, they have to be under the cap by earlier in the day. So you know how much much money they're going to have to spend. And um, yeah, let the spending begin. Your Browns were super active last year. Yeah, yeah, we were. Um, we actually made a, l- a little bit of headlines a-, a day or two before as well because th- you can sort of potentially do some trades and things like that. They won't be official until that date, as you rightly point out. Um, but as we said right at the top of the show, there is no off-season in the NFL, so GMs will be hard at work identifying players that they need on their rosters and, and like you say, managing that cap space to make sure that they can get the guys that they want on their squads for next year. Um, just in terms of the 2019 season, again, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, we did quite a bit of talk around head coaching hires. Um, again, with the playoffs now finished and the Super Bowl in the rearview mirror, the Bengals will be confirming Zach Taylor, um, who was with the Rams offensive staff as their head coach. And of course, Lee, your Dolphins, and I'm sure you were thrilled with the performance of the defence last night of the Patriots, will get Brian Flores who was obviously the DC in New England. So I don't think we've actually sort of spoke directly with you about it. Your thoughts on that hire, mate? Um, I'm quite excited about the hire. I think it's, as with a lot of these um, first-time head coaches, I think the most important thing is the staff that they put around themselves. Um, We've seen it before, especially in Miami with Adam Gase. He hired a lot of his mates that were also first-time coordinators and then continued to stick with them too long. And I think that's what ended his tenure. Um, so I'd be very interested to see what sort of flo- uh, staff Flores puts together. There's been a few names banded around. A few p- people have already signed contracts. Jim Caldwell's going to be an assistant head coach, which I think is a superb move because he has the experience of winning games in the NFL, being in a few different organizations and holding that top job himself. So I think almost um, in the same way Sean McVay did, I think his most important decision was to early on bring in Wade Phillips so he could almost set and forget about the defense. He doesn't, you know, doesn't have to be on top of that all the time. He's got a, a respected guy who knows how to win running that side of the ball for him. I think Flores needs to do the same thing. Um, I do believe he's going to bring in um, a Patriots coach with him, um, Todd McShay. So be interested to see how the staff gets filled out. The press conference for that is actually tonight at nine o'clock. So I will be uh, waiting in front of the TV to see that. Well, fingers crossed for you, mate. Let's hope it works out well. Um, obviously, the Lions got the Patriots DC last year, Matt Patricia, and that hasn't worked out too well. So <laughs> let's hope that Brian Flores works out a little bit better for, for you and your Dolphins. Um, in terms of the 2019 season, we're going to have a lot of content coming up for you over the course of the coming weeks and months. We're very much all of a sudden into draft season, so you'll find a lot of content on the site um, around draft, um, 
players and what teams need and those type of things. So thanks to the guys for supplying the articles for us um, from Snap Scouting for the draft previews. Um, we'll also be doing a lot of stuff around getting you ready for the 2019 season. Um, we want to talk to fans of all fan bases around what your thoughts are for the season ahead, what you feel your team needs to get you to the big game next year. Um, and, you know, we will continue to be pouring out content both in a written format and on an audio format. We will still be here debating these articles on a week-to-week basis. We thoroughly look forward to it. A big thank you to everyone that's listened to any of our podcasts or read any of the articles on our site since we have gone live. We've only been up and running for a couple of months, so you know we're still learning ourselves. Me and Liam never even spoke to each other three months ago, so um, we are still very much in our infancy, but a massive thank you to everyone that's um, supported us so far. Um, it does mean a lot to us. Um, we'll be reaching out as well. We're fully aware of the fact that we've got an excellent NFL podcasting community within the UK, whether it's your own individual teams that you're talking about or whether it's the NFL in general or fantasy football or whatever it is that you're podcasting in relation to. We'll be reaching out to all of you guys in the coming weeks and months to profile what it is that you do um, to try and make sure that you know we can help support you guys as well because ultimately... Our saying here at All32 is the fan knows best and we want everyone to, to make sure that as many fans as possible are involved in each other's content. So we thoroughly look forward to the next few weeks and months as we get to the off-season. I always say the same thing, mate. It's an awfully long off-season. Um, no decent football now until September, but plenty for us to get our teeth into. Um, what are you looking forward to during the off-season, mate? Well, it's always those sort of... Um those big days the opening of free agency the lead up to the draft and then the openings of um of camps later in the year so it'd be interesting especially for me with a new head coach and you guys as well um i believe that means we can actually go to camp a week earlier than everybody else so that's a win right there um but yes it is a long off season but a lot for us to get our teeth into no absolutely mate and thoroughly look forward to doing just that um, that will wrap up this week's edition of our podcast. And as we said, that wraps up the 2018 NFL season. It's been a blast. Um, been some great individual moments and games and performances. And, you know, we hope that you've thoroughly enjoyed it as much as we have. And we look forward to continuing to pour out content as we get towards the 2019 season. And let's make it the best one yet. Uh, guys, please share the podcast if you've enjoyed listening and you can always get us up on Twitter. So the main account for the site is All32UK. Lee, where can people get yourself if they want to talk to you directly, my friend? Yeah, you can find me at All32Lee on Twitter. All right, and obviously for myself, it's All32Sean. Um, get on touch via Twitter, Facebook. Uh, look forward to interacting with you guys over the course of the next week. And like I say, please share the content if you enjoyed. Cheers, guys. <laughs>